Hello, and welcome to the world we live in, Midweek Current Events Edition. Welcome back. I'm your host, Eric Patterson. Um, this week, I want to start out with a few announcements. Um, I wanted to give a shout out to um, our friend, Susanna Stapler, who did our new logo. If you aren't familiar with the show, um, we've been doing it for about a year, a little over, um, and we got a new logo about two, three weeks ago. Um, super great logo, but I want to give Susanna a shout out because her new website is up. Um, it is Squillistrate. I will link to this in the show notes. Um, she has started this business and recent college graduate. Uh, one of our good friends. Um, super cool to see her do this. Um, but she does um, logos and um, a lot of kind of branding stuff. But um, like I said, it's a brand new company. Um, and you can get more details on her website, which is now up. And I will link to in the show notes. Um, so if you have any interest in... Uh, that if you need help with any of that be sure to go see her this is not a sponsor um, just to throw that out there she's a good friend and um, I'm just uh, letting you guys know what's up cool well let's hop into it um, I got three uh, articles um, three stories um, for this week to start out with um, we have an older article that I just um, found the other day, but it's super interesting, super important, kind of concerning as well. Um, the second article is about North Korea, and third one um, concerns Hurricane Florence and some of the repercussions environmentally, uh, which probably is the most concerning one, so... The last story will uh, will leave you with a little bit of concern, but that's okay because um, hopefully we learn from uh, these. The I, I don't want to call it mistakes, but it kind of is a mistake that was made um, on part of preparation, at least in my opinion, for the horror, for the hurricane. So, but anyway, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, this first article uh, I heard about um, on one of my other favorite podcasts. Um, and they, they only mentioned it. Um, this is from Joe, Joe. I was listening to Joe Rogan. Um, and they mentioned this about an 11 year old um, that hacked a replica Florida State website in under 10 minutes. Um, and this was at the DEF CON hacking conference. Um, it says, this article from PBS News, um, it says, an 11-year-old boy on Friday, and this was in, this was written on August 12th, so this was about a month ago, a little over a month ago. It says, an 11-year-old boy on Friday was able to hack into a replica of the Florida State election website and change voting results found there in under 10 minutes during the world's largest yearly hacking conference, DEFCON 26, organizers of the event said. They continue, thousands of adult hackers attended the conference annually, while this year a group of children attempted to hack 13 imitation websites linked to voting in presidential background states. Um, the boy, whose name is Emmett, accessed a replica of the Florida 
Secretary of State's website. He was one of about 50 children between the ages of 8 and 16 who were taking part in the so-called DEFCON Voting Machine Hacking Village, a portion of which allowed kids the chance to manipulate party names, candidates' names, and vote count totals. So, uh, this is interesting. Very interesting. Um, An 11-year-old kid... um, Already into hacking. This is the new world we live in. The cybersecurity, cyber war, if you will, <laughs> cyber warfare. Um, this is the world. I've heard some argue that World War, world war Three will be fought on the internet, on the cybersecurity, cyber warfare realm, which... I, which I don't think is out of the question at all. Um, I, in fact, I think some people would probably argue that it, there is just a constant war online, um, blocking hackers, creating better um, defenses on the web, on uh, on the web, protecting um, secure information, especially governments. Um, I mean, that has to be a super priority for any government these days is creating online defenses. Um, And yeah, it's pretty wild, though, uh, that there are just these conferences going on. Um, I've actually had the privilege of going to, in my previous job, I had to go to a hackathon out in um, uh, California at UC Santa Barbara. And this was eye-opening. It is wild how many kids have gotten into the hacking and writing code and doing all this. And there were huge companies there. There were even um, there was even um, a couple large um, what's the term? Go- uh, companies that do government contracting. Um, I can't remember the specific names, but yeah, they were recruiting for like. Um, high tech jobs right out of college um and these some of these kids weren't even in college they were in high school um so that was uh that was pretty wild to see but yeah they went for like i think 36 was it 36 hours straight um there were there was always someone operating a computer and they had to uh they had to like write code and solve problems and then at the end um there were different teams that won prizes based on what they had developed in 36 hours so yeah it's pretty wild um the article continues um it says nico sell the co-founder of the nonprofit roots asylum which teaches children how to become hackers and help organize the event said an 11 year old girl also managed to make changes to the same florida replica website in about 15 minutes 15 minutes tripling the number of votes found uh, Nico Sell also says that more than 30 children hacked a variety of other similar state replica websites in under a half hour. Um, he claims that these are very accurate replicas of all the sites. He said these things should not be easy enough for an 8-year-old kid to hack within 30 minutes. And he claims it's negligent for us as a society to have these outdated websites. Um so, 
I think he's right. Um, I think sometimes we think we're uh, invincible. Um, and I think that's just part of being human um, is thinking that we we have these correct. And um, maybe it takes something crazy like this for the state... Um, the state who the state commissions, uh, the state voting commissions to step up their game. Now I'm sure, and I, I've actually I've heard this before that um, that this is obviously a priority for every state and nationally as well. Um, that they are continuing to advance the voting systems um, and continuing to improve them, um, considering the. Uh, controversy over previous elections and the way voting is done um, I think the voting will continue to be a evolving aspect of of the way we do things especially in the near future at least I hope it is I think there are better ways that voting could be done um, speaking of online I think I think Voting online could uh, could open up to a wide variety of people, um, and I, I've heard that I've heard that idea thrown out there as well. Instead of having to go to these places where you have to vote, voting centers, um, voting online could be extremely easy for people. So, but we'll see what happens. Um, and yeah, again, I think it's wild <laughs> that an 11-year-old is into hacking, but bright future ahead of that kid. Bright future ahead of all these kids. That's wild. Wild stuff. Moving on. Um, this article from the Washington Post, which was written on September 20th, um, it says, North Korea offers to dismantle nuclear site. So... The article starts off, the offer by North Korean leader Kim Jong-un came with a caveat. He would permanently dismantle his country's main nuclear site, but only if only the United States makes concessions first. President Trump called the developments part of tremendous progress in outreach to Kim's regime, yet made no new commitments. Um... Secretary of State Mike Pompeo said the United States was prepared to engage immediately with North Korea to move dialogue ahead. Pompeo also plans to meet North Korea's Foreign Minister Ri Yong-ho in New York next week during the United Nations General Assembly. Kim's proposal Wednesday came after talks with South Korean President Moon Jae-in in Pyongyang seeking to push forward the two countries' peace process and advance dialogue with the United States. Kim pledged to visit South Korea, South Korea's capital in what would be the first for a North Korean leader. He also said he would allow in external inspectors to verify a key missile site has been disabled. Um, the South Korean... President um, also made history by addressing an audience of 150,000 people at a performance of the Mass Games, which is North Korea's synchronized gymnastics and dance show. 150,000 people. Wow, that's crazy. Um, 
progress is being made, it seems. It seems that um, things are moving along for all the years and years of stalled negotiations and not even contact with North Korea, it would seem as though things are moving along. Um, apparently, Korea, both North Korea and South Korea are putting in a joint um, bid for the 2032 Olympic Games. That could be that could be big time. That could be big time. Um, Trump is expected to meet with the South Korean president on Monday in New York when both attend the UN General Assembly. Um, yeah, this is this is um, this is pretty cool in my opinion. I I I'm I am a little bit skeptical just because there's always a lot of talk um, and usually not a lot of not a lot of game um so we'll see what happens but this is super encouraging i think that for as much criticism as you can give trump i think that this is a super positive in his um realm of the way he operates um i don't agree with a lot of things he does but or or the ways he handles himself but this seems to be going pretty well. Um, it says that um, a professor from Seoul's Yonsei University argued that the two men succeed in keeping negotiations moving forward in a process that always that was always going to be gradual. Another professor at Cookman University in Seoul said it would take time to understand the significance of what Kim is offering, especially in relation to North Korea's um, largest facility, home to the country's only nuclear reactor and key to its production of weapon-grade uranium, although other sites are thought to produce highly enriched uranium. Um, the site I'm referencing is Yongbyon. Um, it says, um, if Yongbyon is actually frozen, it will not mean the end of their nuclear program. It will not even mean the end of their production of nuclear weapons, but it will be a significant decline in their ability per to produce more nuclear material and nuclear weapons. So, it also, um, South Korea seems to be doing a very good job at monitoring and developing relations with Kim. Um, to be honest, I think half or maybe if not more of what Kim wanted is to be re to be recognized on the international scale and it seems that South Korea might be indulging him but it seems to be more of a connection um, that they're trying to make because it from my perspective it seems that um, they want to at least on the South Koreans part, and hopefully on the North Koreans' part, it seems that they want to um, develop connections between the two societies because they are both Koreans. Like, they, they were one country for a long time, and they want to develop relationship between the two. Um, and, ho and I think that's the right way to go about things. 
Um, you never want, I, I feel like on international scale, you never want to belittle a leader like Kim, even though it's easy to do. Um, like I said, I think he wants to be recognized and I'm sure he has an ego and I believe he has an ego just like all, just like most leaders do. Um, especially a dictator in his position. So I think he's headed in the right direction. Like I said, time will tell and I guess we'll wait. So continuing on, um, this is concerning. Um, from From Hurricane Florence, the New York Times writes, lagoons of pig waste are overflowing after Florence. Yeah, anytime the word pig waste and overflowing are in the same sentence, um, I, uh, I have to pause. Um, the article writes, The record-breaking rains that started with Hurricane Florence are continuing to strain North Korea's... Sorry, North Korea's. <laughs> I'm still caught, still caught on the last article. North Carolina's hog lagoons. It says, because of the storm, at least 77 lagoons in the state have either released pig waste into the environment or are at risk of doing so. According to data issued Tuesday by the North Carolina Department of Environmental Quality, that tally more than doubled from the day before when the department's count was 34. It says, when a pig in a large-scale farm urinates or defecates, the waste falls through slated floors into holding troughs below. These troughs are periodically flushed into an earthen hole in the ground called a lagoon in a mixture of water, pig excrement, and anaerobic bacteria. The bacteria digest the slurry and also give lagoons their bubblegum pink coloration. This is a pretty stunning statistic here. In the next paragraph, North Carolina has 9.7 million pigs that produce 10 billion gallons of manure, mostly on large-scale farms, primarily in the low-lying Sampson and Dupin counties, which were both affected by Florence. So yeah, um, <laughs> I don't know how one uh, goes about this, uh, goes about solving this, I should say, um, large-scale agricultural operations um, have proven to be detrimental to the environment multiple times over. Um, I understand that producing food on a mass scale is required to feed societies, However, we always have to understand that the environment is the ultimate controller, Mother Nature. Mother Nature is, and that no matter what we do here, Mother Nature is always in control and is unpredictable, as seen in many hurricanes. It says... um, If the untreated waste enters rivers, for example, algal blooms and mass fish die-offs can happen, 
as they did in 1999 during Hurricane Floyd. That year, many animals drowned in Lagoon Slurry. They drowned in their own shit. Hog Lagoons and the associated large-scale farms also known as Concentrated Animal Feeding Operations, or CAFOs, have been a sore spot in the eastern part of the state where residents say that the operations harm their health and well-being. According to a Duke study, um, it found that those complaints may have some merit. Um, life expectancy in North Carolina communities near hog, um, hog CAFOs remain low, even after adjusting for socioeconomic factors that are known to affect people's health and lifespans. And that was a quote from Dr. H. Kim Layerly, a professor of cancer research at Duke, and says, last week, Andy Curlis, chief executive of North Carolina's Port Council, said that the pig producers had learned a lot from Hurricane Floyd. In 2016, Hurricane Matthew caused 14 lagoons to flood, but not, but none breached, according to the Port Council. It says a lot of the farms that were flooded were bought out and closed. That's why you didn't see the same impact in Matthew. We maybe had 15 floods, no breaches. This only thing about building societies in these low-lying areas is you are always at threat for this to happen. Um, Like I said, it's almost unpredictable. It's kind of like maybe this year we will, maybe we won't. Um, But, yeah. Unless you close down these feeding operations, I don't know how you solve this from not happening. Um, I don't know. Maybe you could build bigger barriers to have it not breached. But then the then it seems like the waste the waste uh, lagoons just get larger and larger. Um, so I don't know. It's a tough issue, but um, it is definitely harming the environment and. It's an issue that probably needs to be addressed if these hurricanes are to continue. Um, an associate attorney with the environmental nonprofit law firm Earth Justice um, said that storm standards for pig lagoons currently date from the 1960s. Um, the Department of Environmental Quality data um, is self-reported data from farmers, many whom may have left their farms to avoid the storm surge and floodwaters. Um, the number of spills reported could increase as more farmers make their way back to the farms, but luckily in a region that has struggled with too much rain, the rest of the week's forecast is mostly sunny. That's the way the article ends. Um, if you listen to our main show, I think I will try and follow up Um with this topic just because um, I love learning about um, food production and how we go about feeding societies and I've watched a few documentaries about um, these large-scale agricultural farms um, and I don't think they're a good thing. Um... I think we have a long way to go on solving the issue, um, and the issue is only 
uh, increased when something like this happens. So if you listen to our main show that comes out um, Saturdays, um, I will hopefully follow up on this article. And we'll see where the number's at um, when we record. So that's where we're at. Um, I hope you enjoyed these couple of articles, a couple of news stories that I thought were interesting. Um, good variety, I think. Um, hacking, international relations, and pig shit. I hope you have a good week. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Um, you can find us on iTunes at World We Live In. We have a main show, as I said, that comes out Saturdays and this episode usually comes out Wednesdays or Thursdays um, as I start to get in more of a routine and figure out my schedule for the week. Um, I think Wednesdays will be a better day, but Wednesdays or Thursdays, these guys come out. Um, let us know what you think on iTunes, rate and review. Um, we're on Podbean. Um, just transferred over there. Um, you can find us on Google Play, Stitcher, anywhere that you find podcasts. And we appreciate your support. Thank you, and have a good week.